lawlessness. As in last year's Ferguson, Missouri race riots, CNN topped all other television channels for relentless oversaturation, keeping a round-the-clock phalanx of reporters in West Baltimore to meditate portentously on the meaning of the riots long after the looting was finally suppressed. Among national print outlets, the New York Times output was the most frenzied, with four or five stories a day on policing and racism, topics the Times had already been obsessively pursuing for the last nine months. Both organizations have only marginally diminished their coverage of Baltimore since the fires were extinguished. The ideological yield from this latest urban tantrum has been considerable. Inevitably, academics and pundits conferred political legitimacy on the riots, deeming them, in the words of the online publication Vox, a serious attempt at forcing change. Baltimore Mayor Stephanie Rawlings-Blake apologized for calling the rioters thugs, and President Obama and Hillary Clinton both affirmed the dangerous myth that the criminal justice system is racist. Speaking at Lehman College in the Bronx a week after the Baltimore riots, President Obama opined that young black men experience being treated differently by law enforcement in stops and in arrests and in charges and incarcerations. The statistics are clear up and down the criminal justice system. There's no dispute. Hillary Clinton seconded this theme at Columbia University several days after the riots. We have to come to terms with some hard truths about race and justice in America. There is something profoundly wrong when African-American men are still far more likely to be stopped and searched by police, charged with crimes, and sentenced to longer prison terms than are meted out to their white counterparts. This claim of disparate treatment is simply untrue. For decades, liberal criminologists have tried to corroborate the left's cherished belief that the criminal justice system responds to similarly situated whites and blacks unequally. The effort always comes up short. Racial differences in patterns of offending, not racial bias by police and other officials, are the principal reason that such greater proportions of blacks than whites are arrested, prosecuted, convicted, and imprisoned, criminologist Michael Tonry concluded in his 1995 book Malign Neglect. A 1994 Justice Department survey of felony cases from the country's 75 largest urban areas found that blacks had a lower chance of prosecution following a felony than whites and were less likely to be found guilty at trial. Blacks were more likely to be sentenced to prison following a conviction, but that result reflected their past crimes and the gravity of their current offense. The rioting also gave fresh impetus to the liberal narrative about cities, that their viability depends on government spending. There are consequences to indifference, Obama said at Lehman College. New York Times columnist Paul Krugman opined that the riots have served at least one useful purpose, drawing attention to the grotesque inequalities that poison the lives of too many Americans. Krugman blamed stingy federal outlays for the grotesque inequalities. The idea that the federal and local governments have been indifferent to urban decay is ludicrous. Taxpayers have coughed up $22 trillion on over 80 means-tested welfare programs, not including Social Security, Medicare, or grants for economic development, since the War on Poverty was launched in 1964, according to the Heritage Foundation. 
In the 1990s, Baltimore invested $130 million in public and nonprofit dollars to transform the West Baltimore neighborhood where Freddie Gray lived to no effect, as National Review's Ian Tuttle has documented. This lack of effect is not surprising. Baltimore's crime rate has been among the nation's highest for decades. In 2013, the only cities with higher murder rates were Detroit, New Orleans, Newark, and St. Louis. Baltimore's violent crime rate is over twice that of New York. That violence would have doomed any hope for economic revival in high-crime areas even without the latest destruction of 350 businesses by arson and looting. West Baltimore residents have been complaining to the tenacious post-riot crowd of reporters that Baltimore's Inner Harbor area is spiffy and thriving, while their neighborhood is not. But if they have any other options, potential business owners are not going to locate in a neighborhood where they...